0: Amen, amen. Well, kids, you can head on. They gone. Ugh. Have fun. So, oh. hey, uh, Acts chapter three. If you got your Bible, let's get there, and we're going to jump into this uh, this morning. Now, we went through one through sixteen last week. Remember, we put all of our uh, messages online, and then you can also get them at your podcast if you're a podcaster, and welcome to do that. We've been putting out this series. Also, uh, the video edition of just the message too, that's only on the website, so you're, you're welcome to look at it that way if you uh, want to be more visual as well when you're following it. So always the entire service is on YouTube, so if you missed any of those, you can go and watch the whole service if you, you'd like to do that as well. Did I give you enough time? Acts chapter 3, are you there this morning? So whether you got your Bible open or your uh, phone app, uh, either way. I want to make sure you're looking at it. Now, we put it on the screen, but um, if you want to take notes and write, you can't write on my screen this morning. So, having your own Bible, that's a little bit better set up. Now, the theme of the book of Acts is the coming of Christian power and the building of the Christian church. And we've seen that this power is the Holy Spirit. And the building of the Christian church happens through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the life of who? Say it with me. Believers. Let's just try that part again because we've been saying it every week. I want to make sure this like resonates and sticks in our head. The building of the church happens through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the life of who? The believers. That's you and I as well. So when we look at the end of the book of Acts, when we get there in chapter 28, it's open-ended. The church continues on. If you love church history and you have dove into that at all, you're going to see the growth of the church just continues, and you and I are part of it today if we would allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to share, others with, or share Jesus with others. So that's what we're looking at this morning. This whole book that we've been studying is one man wanting to share Jesus with another man. This is Luke wanting to share Jesus with Theophilus and writes this whole account of about Jesus. And so over and over, this is what happens. Why do we know it's so important to Luke, this message that we're writing? Because remember in the very beginning, and we we talked about this for a couple of weeks, he writes, Listen, it's not for you to know the days or times, that's Jesus' words, but you will receive, remember, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. These are the words of Jesus that he speaks so boldly, and then immediately we start to get these stories of how the disciples indeed received the Holy Spirit and went out and started to share Jesus. Did they do the miraculous, signs and wonders, miracles, healing people? Absolutely. Why? For the purpose of sharing Jesus. We talked about last week, Peter always leveraged these opportunities early on in the book of Acts. We'll see Paul does it later. He leveraged these opportunities, these encounters with people, even these miracles, so that he could share Jesus Christ with others. Listen, for you and I, if our lives do not have any sharing of Jesus with other people, if we're not regularly wanting to share Jesus in some way, shape, or form, listen, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, I've been in the church a while, you probably have, our discipleship is incomplete. It's not all that God has called us to be and do in his name. And so that's why Luke over and over is talking about this. Now, this past week, I was uh, in Indiana. My son's college baseball team was hosting their postseason tournament. So sadly, that got bounced at the end of it. So season came to an end. But of course, over my son and I, and I know you don't care, but it was like three baseball games a day, right? When we were just in heaven watching the baseball. And of course, then he was in one of the games each day. And so sitting there just watching baseball. But interesting thing, um, like when, when, I was, when I was playing high school ball, like there was no sound system out at the field. So, uh, you know, we didn't get an announcer. Every once in a while, like a dad was kind of keeping the book and he might stand up and yell out, you know, now batting. But there was no like, there was no microphone or sound system. Now it's like commonplace, right? But interesting thing, uh, every single team... When they had a batter go up, every team had their own walk-up music. Every player had been allowed to select their own song in a college tournament. So when they walked up, that song would play as they walked up. Now, like, I, I, this is like a pro baseball thing, right? And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is pretty neat here. The, every single team, all five, every player, 25 guys on every roster. That's a lot of walk-up songs. And I got to thinking, I wonder... If you had a quick snapshot, like five to six seconds, that's all it takes. You know, you're walking up to the plate, and then the music has to cut off. Can't play it while they're pitching. If you just had a few seconds to choose a song that kind of really articulated you and what you're about, like what song would you choose? I'm guessing if that's what some of the guys were thinking, um, they may not have thought too long about it. So there were some interesting selections. Maybe some were just having fun with it. But if you and I had to do that, what would it be? What is the message you would want to share with people about you? Now Luke's got way more than five or six seconds. He writes a whole book. It's 28 chapters, right? It takes you a little while to read through the whole thing. But he is wanting very clearly to articulate his desire to share Jesus Christ with others. Christians. Where does that fit in your life? How significant is that in your life as well? Well, we're learning from the book of Luke about that and how central this is. So we're going to jump into this passage this morning. And the first question we're going to ask before we jump into it is this. How would you share Jesus? Like in your sphere of influence. And let's say you're like in your head, you're like, hey, I haven't shared Jesus. So let's talk in theory. How would you share Jesus with someone in your sphere of influence, in your life, in your context that you come into contact? There might be 30 different people, but you probably have one or two that popped into your head. How would you share Jesus? This brief story we're sharing this morning, it's two verses long, really three total, but two that we'll read is really about Peter sharing Jesus in a certain way he shared Jesus ...in this section of, of the book of Acts. So let's take a look at this. I want to read the passage this morning. So if you've got there, I'm going to be reading from the contemporary English Bible. But uh, you can follow along in your translation. And then we get to end. Let's just let's just see how we do with your little part right at the end. Are you excited about that, Mike? All right. You've convinced me. Let's read. Acts chapter 3, verse 24. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, this is, this is talking about Peter, all the prophets who had spoken have foretold these days... And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all people of earth will be blessed. The Word of God for the people of God. Hey, that was pretty good over here. So, pretty good over here. I Me, mean, you were so good last week. So good last week in first service, but uh, it's been a long week, apparently. Long week. So, let's try it one more time. The Word of God for the people of God. All right. That's pretty good. We'll go with that. So riveting passage, right? I mean, didn't you just read that and go, wow, I am so blown away and encouraged and impacted? Probably not. Right. So let's break it down and just see what we're missing there. Peter. uh, This has just happened where Peter and John have gone to the gate called beautiful and they have healed this crippled guy from birth. Right. And they spoke into him, the Holy Spirit healed him. He went into the temple glorifying and praising. you got to remember, we said it last week, this is not just a healing, but he was allowed back into the temple to worship and to commune, and that was a missing component in his life. And so this has just happened, and people were actually looking at him like, what in the world did, what did Peter just, what just happened here, right? And they thought lots of different things when somebody was healed. Some thought, hey, God did something. Some thought the demonic did something. Some thought there was some sorcery going on. There's all kinds of thoughts. We don't get in this chapter what they thought. But Peter jumps out and he tells them. He says to them, listen, it's not by our own power. Or, and I love that he says this, our own godliness that did it. It's not because we're so pure and pious. Why would he say that there in the temple area? Well, who else was in the temple area? whose ears would hear this but the other religious leaders, those who had set themselves up as so pious above the people. And Peter is declaring, look, it's not because of our piousness. It's not our piety, excuse me. It's not because of our godliness. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so then he goes on and gives this speech where he's starting to share with. Now he's talking to the Jewish people, so he puts it in this Jewish context in the chapter 3, and he's sharing with them. Listen, if, if this was not a Jewish context, his message would have been very different. How do we know that? If you would like to read all the Gospels, I'd encourage you at times to read them in a close time frame, you know, like take a month and read all the Gospels, and you'll see Matthew, heavy Jewish audience, draws upon so much from the Old Testament and pulls it in. Then you'll flip the next page and you'll read the book of Mark, and you'll go, where did all that stuff go? Where did all that Old Testament connection go and the drawing up and the genealogies? Mark's talking to a completely different audience, a much more Gentile, non-Jewish audience. And so they wouldn't connect with it the same. So Peter's talking to a Jewish audience. He has this speech, and he comes to this section where it really kind of capsulates what this is all about. He says, starting with Samuel and all the prophets who had spoken before them. That's where he started. I'm going to talk about Samuel. I'm going to walk through the prophets for you. I'm going to draw a line from that, what you've heard and what you've studied in Scripture, right up to Jesus Christ. I'm going to draw that connection. Why? Because there was many, many Jewish people at that time. Even though all these things had happened in Jerusalem, there were still people that did not see Jesus as Messiah, as there are today as well. And so he's drawing this connection. Listen, let's just pause for a second. There are times when God wants to use you to share Jesus, where he needs you to first draw a connection with where they're at in life, what's going on in life, and draw that connection forward to Jesus. That's why we always encourage you to tell your story. What was life like before you met Jesus? Why did you come to Jesus? And then what did Jesus do in your life, and how are you different? You probably overcame something or dealt with something That Somebody else can resonate with and that opens the door to sharing Jesus. So that's what Peter's doing here back to our our passage this morning Let's start with Samuel in the very beginning. Take a look at it in your sermon notes Beginning with Samuel when the time comes for you to die and you lie down with your ancestors I will raise up your descendant one of your very own children to succeed you and I will establish his kingdom what's going on? So Samuel is a judge and he also speaks prophetic words as well. He's in the time of the transition between Saul to David. Saul started out, seemed like it was a pretty good setup as king, went south pretty quick, right? And so now David has been called, and Samuel is part of that process of the calling here in this transition to David here. And so he is speaking to David when he says this. And he's declaring to him that it, in your line, you, one of your descendants, your very own children, will succeed. And I will establish my kingdom with him. Now, this is interesting because prophecies often work on two levels. They often speak about the prophetic, the down the road. But they also sometimes speak about what is current or very near. And so in this passage, we see that that David does come, and the kingdom is established through David, and the temple is built through David's son, Solomon, and those were pretty good times for the kingdom, and then it got, they got in trouble after that, but we also have this prophecy of this coming one, and this stuck. This stuck to the point where this would have been the first prophecy in the Old Testament that The Jewish people would have looked at and they said, this directly talks about the coming of Messiah. Now, there's several things before that that you can draw indirect connections and we would call them prophecies. They find all the way back in the book of Genesis towards the beginning. But this is the first direct, clear saying Messiah will come from this line. And so that's why he starts with Samuel, because the people would have known this prophecy. They would have understood it would have been prominent for them. And so he begins with Samuel. And I just wonder when we think about sharing Jesus ourselves, where do you need to begin with somebody? Like, is there a name in your head? What's going on in their life? What's your relationship with them like? Where do you need to begin with that person? Now listen, unless they're really in touch with this Old Testament stuff, it may not be Samuel, right? So don't go take this verse today and say, let me just read this to you, and that's a starting point. It may not be the best avenue, but the encouragement is where do you start? He starts in Samuel. Then we get to the the line of Abraham. Why would he draw this this lineage all the way back? Even before Samuel, he would draw this forward. Well, because we get prophecy that this is going to happen. And so it falls into this camp with Abraham. God makes a covenant with Abraham. Take a look at it. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, you might think, hey, he's just talking about the nation of Israel and the Old Testament story. And it's true. We have to understand everything in the Old Testament through the context Of the nation of Israel. But notice the line at the end there. All people on earth will be blessed through you. Listen, in the Old Testament, if you've read through it, or you'd love to to sit down and start through it, you're going to see that nobody was blessing the whole nation. Not even the nation of Israel was blessing everyone. They were open to foreigners coming and being a part of them. But it didn't seem like somebody's business was about saying, how can we really bless all people? This is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming. And when he comes, we actually start to learn and see through Jesus's words and clearly in Paul's words as well in the New Testament that this is for everyone, everyone, open to all Nations. So this is a covenant that's made with Abraham. It continues on. I remember sharing with you a few weeks ago just this, this understanding of the covenant in, in Genesis chapter 15, where the, the animal was cut in two. Two halves were put on either side, and we learned that this, this pillar of smoke and fire moves through the two animals. That's how a covenant was made. They cut up two animals. They like put it on the side. The two, like leaders, right? Those two making the covenant would walk through. And the symbolism would be let it be like this animal to us if we were to break this covenant. Abraham doesn't walk through, God walks through. God is declaring, I will make covenant with you, I will do it. Even if you blow it, and they certainly blow it, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, I will establish covenant for you, for everyone. And that's the covenant he makes through the line all the way up to Jesus. Take a look. We then get Samuel. That falls right in line. I'll let you read that. But this this idea in Samuel about descendant and the children, then Matthew starts off. And now you can see why he starts off with this verse, the Gospel of Matthew. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of who? Abraham. He's drawing the connection All the way back. So, what you like to skip there when you read through it, and let's face it, I do too, right? Is so significant to draw this connection to this line of Abraham. So, here's Peter. Let's draw back to Peter. Let's stay in 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 our text, trying to share Jesus with somebody, and this person has probably grown up learning the Old Testament, certainly the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and now Peter's saying, "I've got to share Jesus." Here's my starting point. Here's this, this, this prophecy from Samuel that's important. And now let me, draw, let me start with your father Abraham. You know, he had many sons. You know that story. And let me draw you forward. And that's why he's walking this path. But there's more in the Old Testament, right? There's more that, that Peter can get to. And we don't know the exact ones he rests on here. There are 56 direct, direct prophecies That when you know the life of Jesus, I mean, you can see absolutely lay them on top of each other. There's this parallel, but there's many more that would be even more subtle if you if you had your, your Bible study going on. So there's so many about the life of Jesus. Let me just share with you a couple that are here. One is in Isaiah and Isaiah has many It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. And this is. Obviously a clear prophecy towards Jesus Christ. Isaiah is actually serving in the time as prophet, in the time of the exile, towards the end of the exile, and then the return to Jerusalem. He wrote his book of of Isaiah, if you like to read, it's a nice long book. Over about 60 years he wrote that and putting that out, or it was written and putting out. And so you find that there's lots that have gone on here. But one of the big themes is exile. Devastation. The, the country was depressed. And the country was looking forward to saying, Will w- will we ever return to normal? And then when they did return, you remember the story of Nehemiah, the city is in ruins, not even a wall for protection. And so this is a rough time. And he's speaking hope into them. The coming of Messiah. And you can actually see these prophecies over and over and over. And even Isaiah alone you'll find this here we find micah actually speaks about jesus being born in bethlehem or the the messiah coming through bethlehem and through that town there and so you have to understand if you're a a jewish person knowing the old testament and now you're having this thing spoke into you hey remember that passage there remember this here remember that you learned this here That Peter is using these to draw the connection that this Jesus, this is the Messiah. Let me ask you a question. What is it about Jesus you're going to share that helps somebody know or see that Jesus is the hope of the world? What does that look like? For many of us, we've never thought through that question. We maybe line it up in a quick little model to say, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. If you accept him as your Savior, you can go to heaven too. And we'll just say, but what is it you need to say? What is do you need to show them so they understand that Jesus is the hope of the world? That is what Peter's doing. He's walking through everything they know, and he's bringing them forward. Of course, prophecy couldn't be complete without talking about death and resurrection of Jesus. It Over and over we get these prophecies. One of the great passages is Isaiah chapter 53. Now, I just put a couple verses there, but you can actually start in verse 1 and go through verse 12, and you'll see several other things during the crucifixion account and the resurrection that, that show up there. So let's just read what we have, Isaiah 53. It was certain... It was certainly our sickness that he carried and our suffering that he bore, but we thought him afflicted, struck down by God and tormented. He was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole, and by his wounds, we are healed. This is part of this section of Isaiah, 10 different direct passages about the suffering servant. You might have heard that phrase in the past. That's where it shows up here. And we get 10 different passages from Isaiah alone. If you're interested in it, just Google passages from Isaiah, suffering servant. And these will come up where they speak about how how the Messiah will suffer. And so that's found in the book of Isaiah. And so they're looking for this. Now, I will I will let you know, and you probably have figured this out already. The people didn't quite get what this prophecy was all about. There was more of an understanding, like maybe he's talking about the nation will go through torment and we were in exile. Maybe he was talking about that. They didn't quite connect that Jesus himself was coming. And so guess who's connecting it for these folks now that he's talking to? Peter is connecting. And every once in a while when you're sharing Jesus, somebody is going to have a question for you. And this is often the shutdown. In fact, so many people won't share Jesus because they, they say, well, what if I get asked a question and I don't know the answer? Doesn't that shut the whole thing down? I'll look like a moron. They'll never want to have anything to do with Jesus, right? It's not the case. Now, the encouragement is keep opening up your Bible and reading and studying. Keep looking at it. When I need to change just a little light on my Honda Odyssey van, which I'm not a mechanic, right? I don't know. I don't navigate that world very well. But you can look on Google and you can find about a a two-and-a-half-minute video of somebody who's changed that light bulb. And guess what? In two-and-a-half minutes, I'm pretty close to an expert. It's pretty easy, right? But I knew nothing about it before. Now, I'm not going to guarantee you everything in God's Word is quite like that. You know, two-and-a-half-minute video, you're an expert. But you know the point. You open up God's Word and you study and you read daily. You start to answer those questions. Can't figure it out there? You call uh, somebody spiritually mature in your life and say, hey, I've been wrestling with this passage. Can you share with me a little bit about what do you think it means? Or you get directed to some commentary, some scholars that have written about this, and you read up on that as well. That's what Peter's doing. He's drawing the connection for something they might not have understood. He's giving them answer. Don't let that shut you down. Learn. Keep learning. If you hit a wall still, say, hey, I'm not quite sure. Let me go ask my pastor, and I'll get back to you. And when you come to me, guess what? I might tell you too. I'm not quite sure. But we'll go, and we'll study it together, and we'll get you an answer to go back and to share. So Peter's drawing that connection. And yeah, then Hosea, we actually get I'm going to read verse two for you here. After two days, he will revive us on the third day. He will raise us up so that we may live before him. And this is their understanding uh, that this us, this Israel, that that the Messiah was going out of Israel, out of this nation would raise up and would save them. Right. And so we get this this idea of the resurrection in prophecies. Listen, if you were to take all this, and we don't know what Peter said that day, we don't know the exact ones, but if you throw all this together with people who knew the Old Testament and were looking forward to Messiah, you've got a decently convincing argument for them to look to Jesus. The final thing that we have to remind is it's through you. It's through you and I. You see, Peter went and lived it out. Barnabas, who I love that character in, in the book of Acts, went and lived it out. Paul went and lived it out. Timothy, in a rough situation when he was a young pastor sent to pastor church, lived it out. And so the final thing is it's through you. In fact, we see it in the, ch- in the chapter we've studied, Acts chapter 3, 22, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. That's a direct quote from Genesis twenty two eighteen, 18 that's being written in here. Everyone will be blessed. The question is, what part are you playing with the blessing? Sharing Jesus with others, loving people, serving people, using your words? What does that look like? I want to remind you of just this, this simple little plan that we've shared with you in the past on how you can be a part of sharing the blessing and the hope of Jesus Christ with others. The first one's this: prayer that you would actually formulate a list of people that God has put in your life, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, person at the grocery store, on and on and on, that you would put a list down and you would begin praying every day over that list. Just praying. Lord, I just want to lift up so-and-so. If there be any way that they could come to know you today, that would be great. If you want to use me, use me, Lord. A simple prayer that you're praying through that list and lifting up. If we believe in prayer to say, Lord, would you bring healing to those we talked about before, let's equally believe that we would say, would you bring salvation to those in my life that are far from you, God? Use me as well. That we'd pray every day. The second one is that we would care. And that was how we reach out and we bless others daily. What part can you play in their life? What can you do in their life? It might be some tangible thing. You mow their lawn, right? Because, you know, they're, they're ailing. They can't mow their lawn today. Whatever. But when you are there and how you care for them, maybe it's through your words, whatever it is. But I would say you keep praying, but you got to step forward from just praying and you have to actually tangibly care for them as well. And then finally, it's share that you would invite others to follow Jesus. Notice what we said, and that's specific, not invite others to come to church. That might be part of it, but you're inviting others to share Jesus. So you invite somebody to come to church with you, somebody far from God, great, wonderful. But don't invite them and be like, whew, did my part, I'm out. You know, pastor, you better bring it today. No, you spend time with them after, hey, I'm so glad you came. What would you think about uh, what the pastor said there here? And you walk through something with them. Eventually, when you can actually ask somebody, would you like to become a follower of Jesus? That's a powerful question. It's not always answered with Yes. But when we get to that point, there's something powerful, and the Holy Spirit is at work and play. So that's all Peter's doing. He's walking through this. And I would say if you look at that as well, I think there's some way God will be leading you forward to sharing your faith in the similar ways, though you may not start with Samuel and go through the prophets. You might start with your tragedy or hurt in your life that they had the same hurt And you might walk forward from there, whatever it might look like, to lead somebody to understanding the hope of Jesus. And then by your words, inviting them to become a follower of Jesus, that God would use us all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just a simple passage. I thank you for Peter and the obedience of, of thank you, Lord, that Peter's not known as somebody who was highly academic or educated. But, Father, he learned your word, and he trusted the Holy Spirit to empower him, and he just stepped out in faith and shared you. Oh, Father, if you could just take, if you could just take 5% of Christians in the churches across this nation, and they got fired up about sharing you with others, about praying for people and caring for people and then sharing, Father, what impact you could have. And how many people would we come to to see that would know Jesus? And then, Lord, they're going to need to be discipled. And guess what? You're going to use each one of us to share you with them on a daily basis, a weekly basis. So, Lord, would you use us? The task is great. But, Father, would our hearts say, yes, use me today, Lord, however you want to use me. I pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me share with you uh, just,